When I was a girl, I fell in love with finding secret things. Some of the biggest secrets are right in plain sight. We don't see them because we can't see them. We've been taught not to see them. They're willful secrets, chosen secrets, blind spots. And the biggest blind spot of all is how society impacts men and what ignoring that impact means for all of us. Like a furry torpedo to the jugular. This is Honey Badger Radio. Radio with bite. Hello and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. My name is Allison Tiemann and with me is Hannah Wallen and Brian Martinez and we will be your hosts for this HBR Digest where we go over the last week in Badger and bring you the most delectable bits, which I suppose are the organ meats, at least according to Wolves. As always, if you want to support the show, mosey on over to feedthebadger.com for a number of exquisite and delectable feed options. And if you'd like to get a taste of our community, please head over to badgernation.online and enjoy our public square. Feeling the social isolation blues? Have fun with fellow Badger fans. So, feedthebadger.com to make sure these shows keep coming, and badgernation.online to sample the fun in our community. And now on to those self-same organ meats. Brian. Uh Uh-huh. Are you there? Yes, I am. Can you guys hear me? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Um, I actually, you know what? I don't even think you're responsible for this one. No. I I am. Uh, well, I think no, it's wait, a, no, it was were. a, it, it was, yeah, a bit of both a because, bit of column a, a little bit of column B. Yeah. Cause I gave you a number of articles and you picked this one out of those, but I am the one that found them. So, um, so I found that there's this website called outside magazine and mm. my wife, she likes to hike and camp and backpack. And so she's into this kind of stuff. And she was getting recommendations to check out the magazine or the website that has magazine in the name. Um, there probably isn't a magazine anymore, but and decided to look at it. But then she discovered that a large number of the articles on Outside Magazine were woke feminist garbage that had almost nothing to do with actual outdoorsy interests like hiking and backpacking and, and such. Um, so she, you know, we had a laugh. She sent me some links to some of the most ridiculous ones that she had seen, uh, sort of at a, at a cursory glance. And, um, we decided to go through for the show, uh, this one entitled how five women, I think it was called five women, one wilderness, zero mansplaining and zero, (laughs) zero Zero mansplaining. mansplaining. Where a woman who went on, I don't know what you would call it, I guess a hiking excursion into Alaska uh, from her typically comfortable um, California home, L.A. probably. something. Yeah, apartment or condo or whatever. Decided to like rough it and go out into the wilderness. And she did a, I think it was like a five day thing. Um, And basically ended up spending the whole time talking about how great it was to be essentially away from men and mansplaining. Um, And I don't really know what the point of all that was, except to maybe convince herself of something. I'm not really sure. Uh, But yeah, I thought we would go ahead and take a look um, at, at that article. I don't, I don't know. What I found intriguing, shall we say about this particular article was that She talked about men as a group, but only afforded men as a group the bad actions that individual men had taken. 
and did not seem to give any kind of consideration to the benefits that men no doubt had in her life. So it's, it's just funny how whenever these individual women talk about men, they only talk about one aspect and never actually talk about the obvious and overwhelming benefits that men give women in their lives. And so it, it strikes me as, um, as providing a different psychological function than they are really readily, readily able to admit. I think in this case, this woman was projecting her own dark side and her own, or her own failings and insecurities onto men and then wanting a space to... I guess, ritually devour the scapegoat to somehow purge herself of her own sins. Anyway, it, 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 like, why do you even need to talk about men on a hike through the Alaskan wilderness at all? I mean, is, is it even necessary? Although I will say that the actual tour guide, the female tour guide, who was ensuring that these women didn't kill themselves, um, she, she seemed pretty based. She didn't really seem to have anything negative to say about men and was just simply interested in chilling in the wilderness with a bunch of women, which I don't know, maybe at some point she's going to regret having even started such a such an endeavor, but who knows. Anyway, so if you want to hear more about our thoughts on how five women in the wild smashed the patriarchy, smashed it, smash, 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 to pieces with their widow feet stamping, this is Maintaining Frame with myself and Brian Martinez. Basically, um, Lindsay, because she used to, uh, you know, subscribe to or, or follow Outside Magazine, which is what this is. It's called OutsideOnline.com. Um, but it's basically like a magazine slash website for people who like to hike and people who like to go on trails and this is the kind of stuff that Lindsay likes she's very outdoorsy and um she was seeing ads on her facebook feed for articles from outside but they were all of a sudden there were all these like woke you know um like articles uh, even if it didn't seem that way, she would like read through it and then, you know, find out what these were actually about. And she thought it was so hilarious because, you know, that shouldn't really have anything to do with being a fan of the outdoors, which is the only thing that Outside Magazine is. It's just a, a outdoorsy magazine, but apparently it's not. And so she was telling me about some of these articles and she was even reading some of them like this one, this trail is not your trail. Um, and she just said that, you know, these are just too funny to pass up. Uh, five women, one wilderness, zero mansplaining. Is it only when, one though? Like really? I mean, one, there is only one wilderness. One. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that you could apply a number to wilderness, but there you go. <clears throat> I think that they really thought this was clever. That's that's all. So when Maggie Shipstead set out to report on women only expedition travel, she was driven by a desire to learn new skills in a low bro factor environment. But six days exploring Alaska with the state's first woman-owned adventure outfitter turned out to be regenerative in ways she didn't expect. I thought that Alaska was basically just men. 
I don't even, <laughs> I think it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously not, but there aren't a lot of people in Alaska because there aren't a lot of people willing to live up there. Um, but I do think that it's, it's probably like, uh, a lot of men there and women that might as well be men. So, um, all right. That was just the intro. When I flew to Alaska in July for an all-women backpacking trip, I wasn't feeling my most confident, centered, or fit. Okay. Allison, are you there? So I want to, I just want to jump in. I want to jump in really quick. So right off the bat, here's what I, here's what I got from this. This person, obviously, this woman, not from Alaska. So she came here from somewhere else. I'm going to see if I can, does she have like a an author's info thing I can click on. Oh, Maggie Shipstead. Here she is. Um, I'm curious. Curious about where she actually lives. Um, mm. Because that might tell us something. Right? Okay, so, you look that up. I will do the next paragraph. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Well, I only read the first yeah. sentence. So Okay, well, I wasn't entirely sure I like hunting or going places or doing things or meeting people. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. How old are you and you don't know if you like these things? <laughs> 16 months of a global pandemic can do that to you. Oh, geez, 16 months rocked you to the core that much, did it? But I hadn't gotten on the plane. So now I'd either reconnect my, with my dormant adventurous self or have a terrible time trying. Well, the fact that you had to turn it into a way of complaining about men suggests you had a terrible time. But we're probably not going to hear about that, except through reading through the between the lines. All right, are you? Uh, have you found out anything about our erstwhile adventurous? Uh, <clears throat> I'm looking. Uh, she is a fellow at Stanford, uh, California. Yeah. Okay. So that that makes sense. This trip has been on my docket since fall of 2019. Don't care. Back then, I'd been looking to do a story on the growing popularity of all-female adventure travel. For example, more than twice as many women signed up for REI's women's trips in 2019 as in 2018. I can't imagine that women's travelographies are at all interesting. Because, you know, you might generate some interest with like a little character arc, like some flaws that the character needs to overcome. But of course, you can't do that with women. The only flaw that a woman needs to overcome is the existence of men, at least for women like this, which she already has by going on this all-woman, all-female stranger oh, so, backpack for six days. Yeah, so apparently that link where it says more than twice as many women signed up, uh, well, apparently it's... it's it, well, no, it's specifically pe uh, people who sign up exclusively for gender segregated uh trips so basically women are more than twice as likely to want to exclude men from um from these trips than men are to exclude women so that's the reason it's not because women are doing it more it's because they're being you know, more exclusive yeah and i think that's really the cycle of civilization you know men or sorry women you know they get into something like uh Men construct something, women get into it, they exclude men, men are like, oh shit, well, gotta go do something else. They go construct something else, women are like, oh my god, you're, you're, you're keeping, me, keeping us from that. 
And of course, men being men are like, yeah, sure, come on. And then the women exclude the men, and the men are like, oh, fuck, I guess we need to go do something else. <laughs> or it's a repeat throughout all of human history. Mm. Through Instagram, I stumbled upon Backpack Alaska, a fledgling guiding company. It stood out, especially in Alaska, because its founder and owner is a woman, Catherine Walsh, then 30. Born in Nome to a gold-mining bush-flying father and a California mother, Catherine was raised between her parents' home states and returned north for good in her mid-20s after the stability of a finance job failed to drown out the call of adventure. I was intrigued by a small group tour trip she ran called Wild Women Expedition Basics 101. Oh, God. Five days in backcountry building the skills and confidence needed to venture into the wilderness on one's own, something that hypothetically would cancel out the need for exactly what Backpack Alaska was selling. Doubtful. The cringe is is just ridiculous. Go ahead. Um, I think... You, you say that you you just that this woman was just called to the allure of adventure from a finance job, but I think maybe <laughs> I think maybe she got fired. And I'm basing it on <laughs> the first five or the first seven words of this mm-hmm. next sentence. I'd love to cannibalize my entire company for women not for people not to need guides. Well, I guess I guess every company's trying to put itself out of existence Catherine told me she pointed out that women have always been welcome on trips like hers or encouraged to engage the backcountry at all um i would actually you know i've been really thinking about it a lot you know this is just me personally i'm not really quoting anything but you know i would love to be able to make a living off of my writing um all right, that's an aside. Let's move on. There was, right. wasn't that lineage and network to draw you in, she said. And when you did get into it, you're always the odd man out, odd woman out, whatever, and that gets tiresome. She wanted to create a ripple effect of self-sufficient badassery. How is it a ripple? Oh, God. If, if she hadn't found that Backpack Alaska was founded by a woman... Would she never have even gone on a hiking trip or a backpacking trip? Like, did she need to know that there were women involved in order for her to even take an interest? Because I feel like that's what she's saying. She's saying, I do things. um, My hobbies consist of anything that a woman is doing exclusive from men and separate from them and to the exclusion of men. And that's what gets my that's what gets my motor running. Also, I'm miserable, but I don't know why. When I hear this, I can't help but imagine this funny version of reality where she and her friends are, you know, they believe that they are roughing it, that they're on this trail and they're backpacking through the wilderness and that they're, you know, there's danger around, potentially around every corner. Um... And the one thing they're grateful for and they're probably all talking to each other about is that at least there are no men out here to mansplain to us while we're out here roughing it in the wilds. And meanwhile, while they're like, you know, marveling at some mushroom they discovered or uh, some like small animal that might be a bit like territorial, like a, you know, like a wolverine or maybe just a a really. No, wolverines are like, no. No, like well, maybe a squirrel. Even squirrels. Uh, uh, fuck those squirrels. They're like goddamn ter- yeah, some tiny. Some territorial critter is what I'm saying. 
Um, but meanwhile, what's really happening is that their trail trip is a bit more like a theme park ride where they walk and there are men who whose job it is to essentially like continuously keep the most savage and wild animals as far away from the trail as possible. So they're like fighting off bears, but it's out, it's far away enough from the women that they don't know. <laughs> and I just it's just this. This thing, you imagine the trail path, and then there's like um, a wide berth yeah. around it where there appears to be wildlife and trees and stuff, and they can see it and maybe a river. But outside of that, outside at the edge, at the perimeter, are men who work there that are basically like, you know, setting traps and driving away predators. And God knows what's up in Alaska. Wolves. Um, you know, maybe some kind of cat uh, that could be really dangerous, bears, like I said. Um, and they're over here going, we did it, you know, and, and I, I feel like that's basically everything now, too, when it comes to like, you know, women in the um, in the in, in modernity, in modern, comfortable, large metropolitan cities saying that they have accomplished something and it's only possible because men on the perimeter are thanklessly yeah, keeping them safe so that they can do that stuff. Catherine advised, dig the extra layer out of your pack. Go pee. Riley, I remember how I'd said one of the, my strengths was toughness. Was I tough? How could you tell? What's the average temperature in this place in July? Alaska. They said it was like it? in the 30s. No, they said it was like in the 30s that time. Inlet. Uh, okay, that's 30s Fahrenheit. 30s Fahrenheit. Yeah, I don't know what that is in Celsius. I'm sorry. Aaron. It's below zero, I believe. They're whining about negative one? <laughs> what? What the fuck is this shit? This is negative one? Are you, yeah. You're whining about a goddamn summer trek at negative one degrees Celsius? Are you shitting me? Are you fucking shitting me? That's like short sleeves weather for fuck's sake. My oh. Yeah, outside okay. outside should be embarrassed that they printed this article. Like oh literally, this is what God. I mean, like the people who read this this website or magazine, they're outdoorsy types, so they're like, you know, far more better built for this shit than than I am. Um I'm and the fact that this is even type. in here is hilarious. I'm not even an outdoorsy type, and I'm like, yeah, negative one is not really, like, what are you fucking whining about? Negative one. Yeah, it's rainy. That makes it miserable, sure. Yeah. But really, what? Just, it's, that's hoodie weather. Mm-hmm. Well, there is, there is snow, but they're in the mountain, so. Yeah, it's probably pretty cold, but. Yeah. Uh, I mean, snow and ice and snow and rain is going to make that more miserable. But uh, yeah, that's not. Um, this is like some mild misery. Mm -hmm. Okay. Everyone had wanted did everyone wa struggled to stay hydrated because no one wanted to pee and sleep. You know. Okay. You don't struggle because you're making a. Cho this sentence doesn't even make any sense. Everyone struggled. Okay, but you're making the choice not to drink because you don't want to go out and pee. So you're struggling with your own inability. You're not str struggles implies some external thing. Yep. 
I mean, everyone resisted drinking because no one wanted to go out, wanted to pee and sleep. That is the statement that would incorporate your agency, not discorporate it. Do the things you don't want to do, Catherine advised. Boy, I'm feeling bad for Catherine. <laughs> Dig the extra layer out of your pack. Go pee. Riley, I remembered how I'd said one of my strengths was toughness. Was I tough? No, you're not. How could you tell? I was miserable. At least I was still moving. Oh Ugh. my god, if you just if you just curled up into a ball and forced the other women to carry your worthless ass. Oh I can't carry it for you. But I can carry you. <laughs> this is this is women's version of the trip. Yes, yes, this is the women's version of of Sam and Frodo, like trying to climb the mountain to get into the the the, the lake of fire to, to cast the ring, <laughs> going through the the swamps with people's bodies, which is definitely based on the trends. Back before I'd gotten myself you know, into this, can you imagine Sam writing about his like you know climbing the mountain and like doing it in the in this in these terms? Well, it wasn't fun, but. You know, I had to do, I, got, I guess I got it done. I was moving. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that in that case, it would sound really underplayed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> their granola bars are frozen, which, I don't know. <laughs> the Lambus bread is frozen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A negative five, five, one, two, eh? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Back before, oh my God. Oh my god. Oh, this page. oh god. Back before I'd gotten myself into this, I thought how the language we were using for interacting with the wilderness was tra had traditionally been aggressive, masculine, conquering, slaying, bagging. Of course, that's oh, all hubristic nonsense. You can't conquer a mountain or a river or any wild place. <laughs> oh, lady, you're such a fucking conquering, slaying, bagging. Oh, you are such <laughs> you I, I okay. Do you know why human beings use those terms? Because nature is terrifying. Yeah. Eventually at 8:30 p.m. we found ourselves at the top of a steep and hugely unappealing slope of wet boulders, a few hundred feet above the lake that was supposed to be our campsite. You know, the fact that she I don't know what she gets out of this, but you know, to to have triumph at being able to overcome your physical limitations uh, by testing yourself against a slope or whatever and say, I conquered this. Everybody knows you didn't literally fucking level it with dynamite. You, you fucking <laughs> Or defeat it in a duel to the death. Or defeat it in with, a duel? With knives. We all know that it's, it's shorthand for saying you conquered your own inability and fear. Yeah. Okay? Draw it's, your oh, pistol, exactly. mountain. <laughs> Why you Shoot out at noon, mountain. <laughs> oh, I have man. come to test your strength, <laughs> trail. <laughs> You're mine. <laughs> Inevitably, we got to talking about men, the men in our lives, but also men, the concept. I mentioned the guy at the bar at Anchorage who pushed at my politeness until he boxed me into rejecting him. And Jess said that on the same night, a group of men who followed back to the hotel heckling her about her close-cropped hair. We're going to stalk you, sweetheart, one yelled. 
Both girls and women have rituals of awareness, whether they want them or not, and long practice at asserting, assessing risks, and identifying exit strategies. Some that translates naturally to the wilderness, bear spray is not so different from pepper spray I carry at home in Los Angeles. But some of us are also burdened with the baggage of fear. Oh, God. <laughs> We're going to stalk you, sweetheart. When society's liquidates, just leave these women to eating their cats in their apartment buildings. Just leave them. And just, just, just fucking leave them. Let, let them let them have their femtopia by themselves when society liquidates they can build it yeah god i fucking hate this <laughs> we're gonna I'm, stalk you yeah things that didn't happen for now i you okay. know even if First he said all, it he could have been joking with her because if she was men, acting yeah go yeah, ahead yeah it could have been aggressive joking meaning nothing a person a man is going to actually do something to you isn't going to announce it yeah, because surprise and an ambush is you know real predators use surprise and ambush, but men the concept. So how come men the concept doesn't include the guy who flew you to your little tete a tete mm -hmm. with, the, with the girls in the mountains? Okay, how come it doesn't include the men who built the road that you drove on? How come it doesn't include the men who built the sewers and then in the essential heating? And maintain every 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 single luxury you have. How come it doesn't include all the men who help to make your life safe? The policemen, the firemen, the soldiers. Okay? How come it doesn't include those men? Because I see a huge omission. And I will tell you, I will remind you, ladies, that men are far, far, far more likely to save you from danger than to be a danger to you. ungrateful yeah when i asked why everyone had been drawn to an all-woman trip no one said anything having much to do with women right away the dates worked for jennifer jess's dad had picked it out for her but when i said i felt more comfortable doing things that intimidated me with women than with men mm. no one pretended not to know exactly what i meant jennifer said she worried a little that people would assume a woman's backpack trip was easier like hitting off the red tees in a golf course <laughs> I wondered if squeamishness came along with trying to mitigate the intimidation factor, if we felt deep down like preferring the company of other women was some kind of cop-out. If you want to be with other women, be with other women. What's annoying is doing things like the concept of men excludes all the good things that men are and do and only focuses on the bad. Why don't you look at that, lady, and ask yourself why you think that way? Someone asked Catherine if she ever got mansplained while guiding, and she just laughed. But she pointed out sometimes women could be skeptical of her as well. When they booked her trips, they often expected a mountain man, not someone who looked like them. I love the way Jess phrased it the other day, Catherine said, how everyone has a complicated relationship with their femininity. I have had and still have a hard time with messaging or packaging of this trip. Being a woman means something different to everyone, and working what this trip is offering with the realm of femininity and being a woman makes my head want to explode. I've always, always wanted to do this trip exclusively with women, but I'm still trying to figure out what this trip is. What was this trip? It ended up being both much harder and much less daunting than I'd expected. I felt more awake in my body than I had in a long time, aware of the internal furnace that kept me warm and moving in the calories that fueled it, aware of my vulnerability to outside forces to chance to the self. I liked that backcountry feeling of being cut off of my normal life. 
suddenly feeling irrelevant, dreamlike, even for just five days. My boyfriend's nightly proof-of-life check-in and my in-reach satellite communicator felt like a transmission from the moon. Oh, she has a boyfriend. And he was checking in on her constantly, too. Yeah. But but apparently still a piece of shit, so... And we're back again, and oh boy. Yeah, the <laughs> This is the second hurt. installment. Oh, I, I, I don't even know if I want to... I don't even think we went anywhere with this one. Well, I'm, just, I'm actually I, really curious if the time, time hounds will be able to get anything out of it. Right. Uh, well, I, I think we made uh, more progress in the second uh, stream than the first one. So, because I do know we got to the par- point in it where the uh, gentleman we were responding to had basically attempted to make the case for how he believes that men from the moment they are conceived in the womb are living life on easy mode and women are on hard mode while also claiming to be a very nuanced intellectual guy who understands that men also have issues while also then immediately afterwards um, delegitimizing them by basically saying, yes, they have issues, but women though. So yeah, it was, I, I think we made more progress. I thought, I don't even want to like give much else away on that. I'm sure that there's some I always love nuggets of I gold. I always love talking about the, uh, the melted cheese on head cultists. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, you, 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 they all sit around in a circle and they're like, we can have a nuanced discussion about the fact that we all have melted cheese on our head, but we can't question the fact that we put melted cheese on our head. Could someone please get the seagull off my fucking head? <laughs> we can't, we can't actually, we can't, we can't question the identity that we've constructed around putting melted cheese on our head because that would just cause an existential crisis that would make us all implode into little fuzzy dust bunnies. I know, I know, but people are like, what the hell is she on? I'm saying, I'm saying that once a guy says something stupid like men have a life on easy mode, he's basically saying he's a cheese head melting cult member and you can't, like, he is not going to have any nuance because the basic foundation of his belief is cannot be questioned. The basic foundation that somehow you derive benefit from having melted cheese on your head can never be questioned. And that is just as absurd as saying that women have it worse, period. Women do not have it worse. Societies are arranged to ensure that women do not have it worse than men. That's why they don't ever yep. in any circumstance I mean, outside of a situation where men have failed to yeah. provide and protect for them. I mean, women so are enjoy your melted cheese. W- women are willing to complain more about things that men typically don't. So it appears if you're only looking at the complaints, it would look like women have it worse because they're always bitching about something. But and men don't bitch about anything enough. But that doesn't mean that women actually have it worse. You need someone to actually go in and objectively observe what is happening. Um, And of course, the answer is a lot more complicated. But this idea that women have it worse because why would they complain is retarded because they complain because well, people answer it. What's funny is that, uh, you know, feminist 
make this big deal about men having power fantasies. Men, male power fantasies, male power fantasies, right? They don't like uh, when men are the hero- heroes in video games. They don't like when men are the heroes in movies or stories or anything like that because male power fa- fantasies. But what is the ultimate male power fantasy? But the idea that no matter how bad men have it, no matter how many uh, adverse conditions a man or a boy might face, you must always presume that women have it worse because male privilege or whatever. Like that is because the you ultimate. Need to save them. That is the ultimate power fa- fantasy. And honestly, it's usually feminist men that I hear it from. And feminist men are the ones that get the most heated uh, with me when I try to tell them that, no, actually, I'm not oppressed and you should stop trying to use me as your personal battering ram and my gender as your personal battering ram. They get very upset and very territorial about it. Um, It's very interesting to watch. The cult of melted cheese always knows it's right. Yeah. Um, But what I wanted to point out is the... Yeah, and in, when you look at these these kinds of narratives, it's always a man can overcome any adversity to save who, a woman. So he can endure any. And this is this is the ideal of manhood, the ideal of the male identity is to endure any depredation in order to protect and provide for women. And what a surprise! Most men buy into this idea that women always have it worse because how else are they going to maintain the identity of being able to save them? But here's the thing. Women never have it worse. And the reason why is purely biological. If a society, a society if you see society as a, uh, an organism of, of a group rep- reproduction for humans, a society exists to preferentially protect and provide those members of it, of it that create children. So women will always be safer and more fed where possible than men in every single society. Now, in some societies, they have to constrain women's actions more because uh, they don't want their women being eaten by, I don't know, feral hogs or whatever. Or alternatively, they have an incredible resource crunch. So there's a high degree of violence over resources and they don't want women caught up in that. But in every single society, women are safer and they're less likely to die of famine than men. So this is absolute nonsense to assert that women have it life on easy mode. They don't. They absolutely don't. It is ridiculous. It's actually just, it, it, it's just a slander against men. It's basically saying, men, you haven't done your job. And we're not going to even, we're not even, we're going to, we are going to, we're going to manipulate that existential fear you have of not being able to save women, not being able to suck it up to make sure women are protected because that's your biological imperative. We're going to exploit that existential fear while we insist it doesn't exist. It's all melted cheese on the head bullshit. Okay. Enjoy your seagulls. Healthy gamer GG talks misogyny and gaming and we figured it was time for some nostalgia. Rant. Something. Coming to you live from deep within a radioactive, well, an icy, windy, snowy, slushy. Uh, really fucking cold. Really yeah, cold. cold. So cold, cold my dogs, my dogs walk on two legs outside right now. <laughs> walk like some sort of furry cryptid. The more that you think you know about something and the more surprised you are by someone's opinion... 
you shouldn't double down on what you believe. You should actually listen to that person even more. So if you saw that post and you thought sort of like I did that, like, oh, look at how much this is getting upvoted. It must not be a problem. You have to understand that, like, the more logic that you have to discount their perspective, the more catastrophically incorrect you are. No. Or, no, no, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, can, can we apply this equally? All right. My dear um, individual with the COVID hair. Um, what we're saying on this podcast is probably quite astounding to you. And you are probably already looking and searching for ways to deny to it. Double logic, down. To double down. So are you going to take what we're saying and really internalize it? Okay, and I don't know if he's repeating himself, Brian, but I'm almost certain we heard this before. Oh yeah. Are you have. going to we are you gonna take our statements and really start questioning yourself about what you're actually doing? when you're going into the fray to save yon lady fair from misogyny, which incidentally, again, shit talking, gamers do it to gamers. It has nothing to do with sex, except that you will get different insults based on your sex. Wait, only if those insults get a rise out of those women, because if yeah. you make pointed uh, insults towards women or ribbing towards women that has to do with their gender and they don't get upset, then they're going to just yeah. try something else. If it works on them, which it often does because most women cannot handle criticism, even if it's not overt, even if it is something that could be seen as criticism, they flip the fuck out. And when they do, men that want to troll people, they see, oh, well, that's a soft spot. I'm going for that. And that's what they yeah. do. It has nothing to do with misogyny. It's about well, what works. All right. So when you look deeper and you look how men and women's identities are structured in this society, we have this extreme focus in our society. And it's you don't actually see it historically and evolutionarily. Throughout all of human history, women have had to provide for themselves to some degree. The reason why there's a focus on male provisionship is because children need a lot of additional resources when, when they're gestating, when they're lactating, and when they're growing up. So a man has to provide additional resources in order for children to reach adulthood. That's where it comes from. It's supposed to be about the children, not about the woman. In our society, it has become about the woman. And that is actually not, it doesn't make a lot of evolutionary sense. Makes none. Okay? It makes none. But because of that, men have developed this identity around seeing themselves in terms of being able to serve women, being able to provide and protect for women well beyond what was expected evolutionarily or throughout history. To, to treat women as these fragile, incapable things that they usher or they carry around on their shoulders and do everything for. So when they see this, are you really doing something for women, guys, like the healthy GG, when you go in or you create a climate in which there isn't the expectation for the women to deal with this non-sexist shit-talking that everybody has to deal with, but instead they shouldn't have to be exposed to it, are you doing that because you actually care about women or because you care about your identity of saving women? 
We're going to go to the All next right. time. If you get fertilized okay. with an X chromosome, you start to uh, get, you start to life on hard mode. Like it happens then, like in the embryo. And okay, there's stop. Be a lot of people. Why is he saying this? Is he saying this he, because it's he, true or he's saying it's because it's flattering to his ego to believe that women need him so much? No, no. Here, here's the thing. He literally says if you're fertilized with an X chromosome and not a Y chromosome, you have an advantage from the embryonic stage, which is absolutely okay, untrue. Okay. Um, more male babies are spontaneously aborted in, within the first 20 weeks of pregnancy than female babies, right? What you have is a situation where about equal numbers, right? So the, the birth ratio is about 1.05, right? So 105 boys to every 100 girls. But there are 50% more miscarriages of boys than there are of girls, right? So, and more stillbirths of boys, right? So you literally, from the womb, girls are at an advantage, boys are, are at a disadvantage. So here's what I've learned. So the first thing, people talk about circumcision. Now circumcision is a problem, right? So like, sure, circumcision is a problem, but there are literally parts of the world where when women are born, they will cut off their clitoris. Like this happens. Uh-huh. Right? So you're supposed mm-hmm. to be shot. Wait, 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 you, you, so he said, this is the thing. Now I, I don't think this guy is a feminist, but that's doesn't really matter. Like if you asked him, are you a feminist? He'd probably say no, but it doesn't really matter because you know, he, he is, hasn't, he no, hasn't, effectively, he hasn't no, but he is effectively doing, he's carrying water for them by essentially talking about women and men in this way. And what I mean is, he says, oh yeah, men have problems, women have problems, right? Yeah, but, no. But, and- but there's never, but there's no like, well, okay, but men have problems that we ignore as a society, that we don't try to do anything about, that the tools that we have to supposedly fix are all distorted and wrong because they're made by feminists, and that the much of this same ideology is what is killing men to this day and if it's not killing them it's driving them to depression it's driving them to substance abuse it's driving them to self-destruction and it's driving them to violence in extremely rare instances but i'm not going to say any of those things instead i'm just going to say men have problems too and so you treat it like it's oh this is suicide that's just a human problem everybody's got that and yeah, and and what he's about he's to say, like, yeah. he's saying, oh, circumcision. Yeah, just I'm not for that. Oh no, no, don't play but, it. Let, just let, let me it. fucking talk. Let me fucking talk because All I'm right. gonna predict it. He's like, oh, well, you know, in some countries, they literally lop a girl's clitoris off the moment she's born. No, that, that doesn't actually happen. happens. Did you know that, guys? Holy crap! Also, circumcision. It, yeah, that's something we should probably talk about at some point after we're done yeah. with women's problems. Yeah, yeah, no, but that that doesn't actually happen, right? That usually happens at age three, and it's usually uh, only about twenty percent of uh, female genital cutting involves anything. Uh, that happen like that that goes on only about 20 percent of the procedures involve something that does more than remove the clitoral hood 
or give you labiaplast, right? Okay. Here's the thing. So, Men do get their entire penis cut off in many areas of the world. It's called castration. So, uh, uh, yeah. Or so they're both. Or they're oh, both. Like, yeah, no. yes, there are places where it's worse. You've said nothing. So how yeah. does the fact that women get their clitoris cut off in some places, not everywhere that, that female genital mutilation is practiced, and men get their penises cut off or flayed, how does that relate? Or, or, uh, or a, an equivalent part of their penis cut off 80% of the time in the United States where yeah. it's illegal to fucking do that to girls? Yeah, how, how is it that that relates to, like, here's the thing, and here's what's really frustrating me, is we are not arguing with logic, we're not arguing with reason, we are arguing with this man's identity, his sense of self. He needs, as a man, to be less harmed, more yeah, capable, women to have it worse. more powerful, yeah. in order to be able to serve the helpless, uh, inc incompetent, fragile female. No, That's, what what, even, what what's even, even, it makes it even better when every other man is evil because that means he's the only one doing it. Yeah, but it's so, not this just is men. his identity. How do you argue with that? How do you say, dude, your entire I you are blinded by how you've structured your identity? People don't question that about themselves. It's almost impossible to find men who would be willing to question that about themselves, no matter how dysfunctional it is or how destructive it is for society. It is the ultimate horror, the ultimate torture, the ultimate pain. This is the pain that causes men to, to rush machine gun nests to avoid. And okay. so how do you do it? Like, you're not going to be able to... This guy, if you even listen to what we have to say... He, he could not even conceive of it because his entire identity is wrapped around women need to have it worse because I need to be able to save them. There's just a sweet spot of women who enter into a male domain somewhere between 5 and 10%, right, of women who really feel comfortable there and they enjoy the environment, right? And then it gets popular gets fashionable more gets women paused. join and and then uh the cancer spreads all, yeah and then uh -oh, all of here a we sudden, go. got a tumor yeah then all of a sudden the five to ten percent of women who wanted to be there in the first place because they really liked it whether it's engineering or or uh you know uh computer science or whatever right yeah they are actually driven out and the harpies are the ones who take over the space and then demand all of the men change. And then the men start flooding out. And, uh, and then you're just left with a bunch of women who are like, well, you know, if we move the, the, the enter button to the top right of the screen rather than the top left of the screen, then that's a whole week of work that we can bill for. Mm -hmm. I and well, and they kick out the women too. They kick out and it and the funny yeah they thing do that, they do the women actually flee faster than the men. Yeah, and you know what? I, if we could just equip those women with the ability to fight back against the harpies, but the thing is that and this is the synergy, Brian, and you cannot deny this. The harpies come in and they use men's addiction to saving women in order to to lay waste to everything around them. Mutilation, like 
circumcision, sure, I'm not saying that circumcision isn't a problem as well. But they're like literally parts in the world. Just think about that for a second. So like, if you want to understand why being a woman is on, like being born a woman is on hard mode, it's like, there's maybe like a 10% chance that they're just going to lop off the end of your dick when you're born. That is why it's hard mode. Except that in, uh, in America, it's a very high possibility that you're going to get the tip of your dick cut off. But I uh, guess about about one third of the male population of the planet has been circumcised. Yeah, but women, though. This happens, <laughs> right? So there are lots of developing countries where, like, you don't get to go to school. You're told to wear particular things. You're forced into marrying particular people. You may be oh. abused. You may be gang raped. Like there are all kinds of things that happen. Primarily, oh my goodness! Like, to women, right? So no, uh, no, no, no. It's different things. No. Oh no! It's sometimes even the same things. It's just we turn our face away when it's happening to boys and men. But this guy's not a feminist, guys. He's totally based. He was on Evan Preach. Remember. He's totally okay. You're not observing the nuance going on here. He actually does care about men. Right. Literally, literally, there is no country in the world where you can't lop the tip of a boy's dick off. Where it's illegal to do that. Yep. But, you know, nuance, yeah. guys. This is nuance right here. So mm. this is a bad experience to have. And people will say, like, okay, that's developing countries. Like, what about the women here? Um, somehow I don't believe those women are playing Call of Duty or Fortnite, but okay. <laughs> and so that's where I'd also say, like, it's hard mode for them. Like, that's been my experience being married to a woman. Like, I think things are, like, harder for Oh, yeah, your wife's a complainer. Now we know. Now we know where all this is coming from. Your wife this. is a fucking whiner. She's a yep. fucking wife. She's like, oh my God, do I have to do dishes? You should do the dishes. You know, oh my God, do I have to take the dog out for a while? You should walk the dog. Oh my yeah, God, do I have to do the vacuum? You should do the vacuuming. This is what your wife is. Yep. And you're yeah, like, this... oh, she has it so hard because she's complaining all the time. And it must be true. That she just can't cope. Right. Yeah, because he even says, and I know that you got to go anyway, but he says yeah. that uh, he describes the work around the house. So I guess his wife mm. is a stay-at-home mother and a housewife. And so oh, he basically I'll, says I'll the, whole, kill this guy. The, the work around the house that she has to do is her responsibility. And he says, well, I mean, I obviously I help out. But then he goes on what? to make the case that saying I help out is proof that he's doing less because he's a man. And does and by the way, he does not at all take into account the fact that he has to pay all the bills and keep the roof over their heads and put food I, on the table am, and do fucking a fucking job. There is there is no world where if there is a woman at home and a man at work, so we'll just go with that model as our as our example, where the man calls the woman and asks her to come to his job and do a few things around the office 
and then sends her back home. That does not happen. But what does happen is when men come home, women have a list of things for them to do. And I'm not even saying that that's bad or unfair or anything. I think that we have just accepted it as a reality. You know, it's time to, if, if you, in most marriages, men are going to have to clean out the gutters. Men are going to have to take out the trash. Men are going to have to mow the lawn. Men are going to have to do a number of things. They're going to have to make trips here or there. They got to clean out the garage, whatever it is, right? And this is simply expected. And most men just simply go along with it. They just treat it like their fate. And that's fine. And women do the everything else if it is that kind of setup. But there is no such thing as a woman going to a man's job unless she works there too, or they own the business together. Together and like does little things around the office and then goes back what? home and helps what? out. What? You mean what? You mean what? I what? didn't realize. I didn't realize that that wasn't allowed. All right. So this is definitely you, Brian, because it yeah. is the news show. So tell us about the news and why you chose it. Yes, so on this week's news show, um, <clears throat> Hannah wasn't available, sadly, because it would have been nice to hear her thoughts on these things. But we talked about the passing of feminist titan and essentially the mother of intersectionality, or at least one of its uh, non-specific, oh non-binary uh, yes, parents, uh, Bell Hooks, who passed away at 69. Um, and I wanted to use this as an opportunity to discuss the kind of impact that Bell Hooks's uh, specific flavor of feminism has had on the broader culture, because I think it's intersectionality seems to be the dominant form right now. Uh, after that, we talked a bit about a legal settlement that Nicholas Sandman had with uh, NBC. It's undisclosed in terms of the dollar amount. But uh, he is still winning cases, or at least settling uh, cases with various media uh, media outlets that have essentially tried to paint him as everything terrible. Everything. Um, we also have a story about Harvey Weinstein, who may, and I think this is actually pretty likely uh, the way it looks, um, that one of his uh, rape, the, a rape conviction that happened, uh, a while back, may be overturned because of the way in which uh, the case was made. It was, it was, um, I believe, it biased the jury. There was a lot of character assassination or character statements that were used to influence the jury to essentially just think he's a bad person, therefore must be guilty. But there was no real evidence of any of the sexual assault or rape taking place. So, um, just like I predicted. Because the case against him wasn't strong to begin with, um, it looks like he may, we'll have to see, you know, as things unfold, but he may get off. Uh, and then lastly, I have a story, <laughs> this one is too funny, uh, it could have been its own show in my opinion, about the brand new um, Metaverse, which was created by Facebook's uh, very own Mark Zuckerberg which is sort of like a virtual reality world where people can enter and spend time with their friends and family in a time of social distancing. Uh, it just so happened that the big tech companies that support all of this also have a solution for us. Well, anyway, while it was in testing, they're, they're doing a bunch of testing um, of the metaverse before they launch it, a 
tester, a woman, uh, basically uh, uh, said that she was sexually assaulted in the metaverse and that the meta company, the company itself, has launched an investigation to get to the bottom of it. Who sexually assaulted this woman in the metaverse? Um, <clears throat> and I don't really know if it's necessary to go much deeper into that, but that is the news stories. Uh, that's where we are now. And uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's basically it. People are getting assaulted online. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, you know what? Godspeed to her in her obvious ploy to destroy the metaverse. I hope she succeeds. I mean, she might not realize that that's what she's going to do. Uh, but yeah, I hope I can only wish that more women get into the metaverse and allege that they've been groped to the point where Facebook just tanks and the metaverse fizzles into nothing. This is like the woman that, that made a rape allegation because she dreamed that the guy had assaulted her and she felt raped by that. Like, if it's not real, then he's not responsible for it. If if it's something that you imagined, the other person is not responsible for your imagination. If it happened in a setting where nobody can touch your physical body, then you have not been harmed. There is no reason to get upset about it. And it takes away from every person who has been mugged, every person who has ha had been robbed at gunpoint, every person who has actually been raped, or, or uh, every person who's actually been even just groped, um, every person who's been harassed at work, sexually or otherwise, to have somebody say, I was groped in a virtual setting and I'm so traumatized. It wasn't real. Get over it. It's like you watched a movie and you decided that you have PTSD from what you saw. Get over it. That, that just pisses me off. Well, I mean, Christmas music gives them PTSD. So, I mean... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's all about... Well, how it's... do you get groped in a non-physical space? You yeah, don't. Groping is about touching. It's kind of hard to grope somebody without touching them, isn't it? But then again, you know, you, you have the male gaze, so... If, if you can redefine rape, you can redefine touching. Obviously, Zuckerberg has, Berg has created a rape-averse, yep. and uh, women should boycott it and destroy it completely. Just wipe it yeah. off the map with allegations. Um, and I, I have no, uh, <laughs> no ulterior motive in saying that, that, uh, that, that women should use their power of false and ridiculous accusations to destroy the metaverse. I have no ulterior motive in saying that at all. <laughs> so yeah. this is women claims to have been groped in the metaverse. Rest in peace, Bell Hooks, HBR News 337 with Brian Martinez, Mike J, and Dr. Randomerkam. This is HBR News number 337. Woman claims to have been groped in the metaverse. R.I.P. Bell Hooks, where we reflect on the stories of the week, give it the badger treat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. I hope you guys are doing well this week and that you are laughing at all this absurdity so that you are not consumed by it. Uh, by next year, I'll have a new opening spiel. Um, I just got to think of something else. Um, I am your host, Brian Martinez, and I'm joined by, as always... 
Well, just my austere patriarchs. We have Mike J and Dr. Ranamarkam. Hannah is not available today because she is working a, um, a crazy amount of hours at her IRL job. So, so here's a quote from Bell Hooks. A devaluation of black womanhood occurred as a result of the sexual exploitation of black women during slavery that has not altered in the course of hundreds of years. So uh, who is Bell Hooks? Bell Hooks is an intersectional black feminist who um, was around for a very long time. She's very popular with intersectionals in many ways. She's considered a uh, trailblazer, I guess, of intersectional feminism, which is basically, how would, how would you put it? Intersectional feminism is feminism with like uh, uh, more like seasoning in the food, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's just feminism, but it's got more um, identities it's, under it's its umbrella. A, it's an endlessly recursive form of, of victim mentality. It doesn't mm -hmm. stop at females, basically. There's another layer. There's another layer of oppression above that, or alongside that, parallel to that, and it's race. Yeah. And it, uh, if you're if you're in in both of those intersections, then it also involves uh, sexuality, and then it involves disability. So no matter who you are. No matter how unfortunate your situation in life is, there's still some theoretical in way in which you could oppress someone else. Yeah. So that literally everyone is guilty of of, the, of this eternal sin. Yes, and and of course uh, the purpose of it is so that feminism can co-opt every other grievance identity that exists, while also in a sort of implicit way. Uh, pushing people who don't want to get on the bad side of intersectional feminism towards trying to adopt one of these grievances because they don't want to be privileged because being privileged is actually bad somehow. Um, okay, so anyway, that's a, yeah, a short version. Uh, Anita Sarkeesian, big fan of intersectional feminism. Um, Kimberly Crenshaw, big fan. Black Lives Matter leaders are big fans. Basically, anyone who can benefit <laughs> from it is a big fan of it. So intersectional black feminist Bell Hooks passed away last week due to kidney failure. Bell Hooks, and yes, I know that some of you guys might be saying, why is her name lowercase? Because that's how she intended it. It's the most pretentious um, uh, pen name ever. Oh and my god, it so fucking is. Like, it's like an album title. You know? It is the one thing that I despise about this lady the most. Yeah. It is the, the intentional lower casing. Like, okay, we get it. You're like, you're, you're special. Yeah. She actually named uh, herself. So her real name is not Bell Hooks. It's something completely normal. But um, she... She calls herself or called herself Bell Hooks because she was naming herself after her grandmother, who she saw as, you know, like this ideal, strong, independent black woman. Of course, she doesn't know her grandfather, but, you know, we won't uh, hang on to that too much. And so she, her grandmother's name was Bell Hooks. And so she named herself after her, but she did the lowercase because she didn't want to, like, overshadow her grandmother. So it's like it's like baked into the pen name itself. Okay? This is how pretentious and up her own ass she was. 
But anyway, intersectional black feminist Bell Hooks passed away last week due to kidney failure. Bell Hooks was a very powerful voice in the feminist movement. Uh, she's been around since the 60s, I believe. The focus of Hooks' writing was the intersectionality of race, capitalism, and gender. But, of course, she also folded other things because intersectionality is basically everything that isn't straight, white, cisgendered, male. Um, the focus of Hooks' writing was the intersectionality of race, capitalism, and gender, and what she described as their ability to produce and perpetuate systems of oppression and class domination. In the wake of her passing, many in the academic sphere had nothing but praise for her works. Kimberly Crenshaw, who is a well-known critical race theorist, said the following about Hooks, quote, I think of Bell Hooks as being pivotal to an entire generation of black feminists who saw that for the first time they had license to call themselves black feminists. She was utterly courageous in terms of putting on paper thoughts that many of us might have had in private. Um, there isn't much else to say about it, except that there were lots of intersectional feminists sharing quotes from her and, you know, all kinds of stuff online. And I think that, um, well, um, Bell Hooks was a monster in terms of what she believed. And it doesn't really matter that she's no longer with us. I mean, you know, rest in peace and all that. I don't, I don't disparage, um, the dead but uh yeah what she left behind is doing tremendous harm this is why by the way we have critical race theory um it's one of the factors anyway and this is she is sort of a precursor to that so nicholas sandman as uh, some of you may recall was the covington catholic high school teen who drew nationwide outrage after he did nothing more than stand and smile during a school trip to Washington, D.C. He's back in the news. He actually... Short, oh, I'm hmm? sorry, just real quick. Uh, he didn't just draw nationwide outrage. He drew First Nations-wide outrage. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> you know, because natives are often called First Nations people, so... That's right. Um. <laughs> so, in a short and to-the-point tweet made last Friday, Sandman stated, quote, At this time, I would like to release that NBC and I have reached a settlement. End quote. Mm. The tweet being in reference to just one of the many lawsuits that Sandman has engaged in since being lied about and defamed by many alleged media outlets, as well as individuals. NBC joins the ranks of CNN and the Washington Post, who also settled with Sandman rather than go to trial. But Sandman's work is far from over. The teen still has ongoing lawsuits against ABC, HuffPost, NPR, Slate, CBS, and many more. I guess when they settle out of court, the public never gets to know what that settlement was for, right? Uh, That's some, usually this, part of the settlement of agreement. Yeah. 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 So, so it's probably, I think it was always uh, a little bit, uh, well, that was what he could have sued them for. So the settlements, I, you'll have to ask a legal expert, but it's like 10% or less of what they would have won in court or whatever it is. You know. yeah. After, I think, 
couple of years though, I, I think at some point uh, they get to they get to tell. But we're, I think we're gonna have to wait a while to hear that one. So the rape conviction that landed Harvey Weinstein behind bars may now be in danger of being overturned. At a Wednesday hearing in New York before the Appellate Division, First Judicial Department justices seemed perturbed by prosecutors' strategy of including testimony from women whose accounts were not part of the criminal charges facing the disgraced movie mogul. The judge in Weinstein's original criminal trial also allowed prosecutors to bring up other incidents that may have portrayed Weinstein in a bad, but not necessarily criminal, light. Okay, so the, the the prosecutors were essentially character assassinating Harvey Weinstein to make him look more guilty, even though the evidence they're bringing forward has nothing to do, nothing to do with the accusations against him. Now, who did they do that to also? You guys remember Kyle Rittenhouse? Do you remember how the prosecution was trying to frame him as a bad person? And none of that was in all, at all related to what happened that night. They, were, they asked him if he played Call of Duty. I mean, that, that's how far they were willing to go. This is the same. So this is from Vice Magazine, not exactly a pro Harvey Weinstein website, to my knowledge, anyway. Well, what did leaving his employee on the side of the road in a foreign country have anything to do with his sex crime case? Asked Justice Sally Menzanet Daniels, according to Variety, other than let's put in as much as we can to show that this guy is terrible. It's just saying he's a bad person, therefore he probably did it. This was an attempt to bias the jury, which, by the way, is pretty effective. Or can be. What did leaving his employee on the side of the road in a foreign country have anything to do with his sex crime case, asked Justice Sally Manzanette Daniels, other than let's put in as much as we can to show that this guy is a terrible guy. At another point, Manzanette Daniels asked the attorney representing the Manhattan DA's office, you're really arguing this was not overkill? Justice Judith Geish, another judge on the appeals panel, said of Weinstein, quote, he doesn't get convicted because he's a bad guy. He gets convicted for these particular crimes. So that argument, I have to admit, is rubbing me the wrong way, end quote. Weinstein was convicted in New York in February of 2020 of raping a woman in the third degree, as well as criminal sexual act in the first degree involving another woman. Other women also testified against Weinstein as part of an effort by prosecutors to illustrate a pattern of abuse. Weinstein was ultimately sentenced to more than two decades in prison. But he is currently filing an appeal, this is what I'm saying, and it's starting to look like he may get it. Quote, the jury was overwhelmed by such prejudicial bad evidence, Barry Kamins, Weinstein's lawyer, told the appeals panel, according to CNBC. Quote, this was a trial of Harvey Weinstein's character. The people were making him out to be a bad person. He was in a legal vice in this case. Cam, Camness or Camins added, uh, according to Vulture magazine. So Vice is pulling from a lot of different places. The justices in the New York appeal are not expected to rule for several months. In the meantime, Weinstein is facing sex crime charges in Los Angeles. 
So I know that this is a really tough case to talk about because I don't think anyone here likes Harvey Weinstein, but it's important to talk about the toughest cases because you have to consider this. For every Harvey Weinstein that's basically like going through this, and apparently there's only this one, unless, of course, you know, we get some new uh, developments regarding Ghislaine Maxwell, but somehow I don't think she's going to be treated the same way as Harvey is being treated. But for every one of these guys, there's lots of normal guys that don't have the money to pay for really expensive lawyers and go through this whole appeals process, but you can use the same tactics against them, which is essentially using the prosecution to character assassinate, bring forth endless female witnesses, all willing to cry on command on the stand so that they can basically say this person is, he must have killed, uh, raped or abused or assaulted these women because he's a bad person. And there are people on the jury that could be affected by that. And so we have to um, follow, I think, and discuss these very difficult cases with people that we probably don't particularly like. I mean, I don't uh, like Harvey Weinstein, but that's not what this is about. You know, it's about whether or not this is just. So... As it goes, uh, Maria Bustgard Granlund, nine-year industry veteran, breast cancer survivor, and associate producer of the new Battlefield 2042 game, has come under fire for a tweet she shared. The tweet in question comes from a self-described communist comedian, Stephen... Sizerba? Sizerba. That's... Wait, what the... Why, why, why so many consonants? S-Z-C-Z... What does that sound like? It's, it's it's like it's like a radio on like a dead channel, you know. It's like yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So for anyone listening, it's S Z C Z E R B A. I, I just pick Zerba. one and go with it. I'd go with Z Zerba. That'll do. Yeah, that's probably what it is. <laughs> You're uh, probably right. So in this tweet, Stephen states, "Quote." Stop abortion at the source. Vasectomies are reversible. Make every young man have one. When he's deemed financially and emotionally fit to be a father, it will be reversed. What's that? Did the idea of regulating a man's body make you uncomfortable? Oh my God. Then mind your own fucking business. End so quote. it's so it's basically a pro-choice post that's using, you know, that my body, my choice argument against men. So, if anything, she basically agrees that, um, you know, she's probably just a pro-choice person. Yeah, that's if probably anything. the absolute worst. Like, and, and the thing is, since, since that, you know, this, this story has kind of gone mildly viral, uh, both, both of them have locked down their Twitter accounts. Of course. So, I can't even really find anything about this woman. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, she's been in the industry for about a decade. She, uh, she she did have breast cancer, and you know, yeah. God bless her for surviving that. She's married. That's about it. Like, there's really not much more to talk about this woman it's her, herself. The story is this tweet, and yeah, that's definitely something worth discussing. Like, tweet is absolute hot garbage. Like, yeah. oh god, every single fucking point in there is just. It is so many layers of wrong. <laughs> Vasectomies are reversible. Not in every case, no. No. And the more time that passes, the harder it is to reverse a vasectomy. Seems like it kind of excludes like 
poor and minority communities that can't afford vasectomies, you racist piece of shit. And, you know, I guess there's lots of people think of this. You know what isn't reversible? Other certain operations you can perform on a penis. I've never met a woman who didn't have an opinion about circumcision. Mm -hmm. Despite not having a foreskin. No room, no opinion. But no, you can have all the opinions you like about male genitalia without having a scrap of it. Unless it was perhaps concocted together in those Dr. Moreau labs you have now. <laughs> and again, the, the, the two, the completely two different things. One is arguing again, let's, if we're going to take them seriously here for two seconds, which I, I hate to do with a joke, but Hey, he started this, not me. Um, you've got uh, championing, forcing a procedure and trying to make that sound the same as someone against abortion. And that's, that's saying, no, I don't want you to perform a procedure Yeah, and trying to say those are the same thing. No, no they're not. So Meta launched an investigation after a woman said that she was groped by a stranger in the metaverse. A woman was assaulted in a virtual world. You know, a this woman... isn't even the first time this has happened. <laughs> no, I, th I think it was uh, something that in VR chat I, I there were reports yeah. of this. I, I, I didn't know the hardware existed to be able to plug something in that can oh, grope your body. And I'm oh, reminded hard, right. of, of, the, of the Tyler, the creator tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you got that shit plugged in? Nigga, turn it off! <laughs> um... Okay, so a woman has said that she was groped by a stranger while working as a beta tester on Meta's Horizon Worlds platform. Literally a beta tester, okay? The Verge first reported the news. Horizon World enables users to socialize and play games with up to 20 other avatars. In a post in the beta tester's official Facebook group, the unnamed woman said that her avatar was groped by a stranger and that other users had supported the incident, The Verge reported. This is an avatar. It's a video game character, okay? Sexual harassment is no joke on the regular internet, but being in VR adds another layer that makes the event more intense, the woman wrote. She said that incident occurred in the plaza, one of the main areas that people gather per The Verge. On December 9th, Meta opened up its version of Horizon Worlds to, eight, to users aged 18 and above in North America. The platform is thought to closely resemble Mark Zuckerberg's vision of the metaverse. Following the woman's post, Meta launched an internal investigation into the incident, which, according to MIT Technology Review, occurred on November 26th. The woman wrote the post on December 1st, the publication reported. It added that Meta concluded at, that at the time of the incident, the victim had not turned on a safety feature that was designed to prevent harassment on the platform. It actually had safety feature. She didn't use it. Vivek Sharma, Meta's VP of Horizon, called the incident absolutely unfortunate, but told The Verge that it was good feedback because he wanted to make the safe zone blocking tool trivially easy and findable. 
Safe Zone can be activated by users if they feel threatened on the platform. The feature is designed to stop other users from interacting with them. Yeah, like VR chat has something that lets you ignore people and then they just become invisible um, in the VR world. So if they're like walking around with overly sexual avatars or they're fucking with you, like they're staying in, in your face or standing on top of you or whatever, you can do that and they'll disappear and you won't be able to hear them. Um, Christina Million, a spokesperson for Meta said, quote, we want everyone in Horizon Worlds to have a positive experience with safety tools that are easy to find. And it's never a user's fault if they don't use all the features we offer. Well, you don't want to be a victim blamer in the fucking virtual world. We will continue to improve our UI and to better understand how people use our tools so that users are able to report things easily and reliably. Our goal is to make Horizon World safe and we are committed to doing that work. Meta, which rebranded from Facebook in October 2021, has faced repeated allegations that it fails to keep users safe on its platforms. A trove of documents released by whistleblower Francis Hogan shed light on the company's internal practices. You guys remember that. They're basically saying that Facebook doesn't censor enough. Um, lastly, I well, let me just read the rest of this real quick. Facebook's internal research showed Instagram had an adverse effect on teenage mental health. According to one document, yeah, it's it's girls being bullied by other girls, but whatever. Company leaders also repeatedly dismissed concerns over Meta's business practices. In November, the FT revealed a leaked separate memo in which Meta executive Andrew Bosworth said that it was practically impossible to moderate the behavior of Metaverse users on a meaningful scale. Yeah, because it is. Um, so there we are. They create a virtual reality world and they make it to where you can basically control how you interact and it's completely safe, like, because no one can physically hurt you and a woman still finds a way to complain and play the victim and, of course, the entire system that they're in immediately reorganizes itself around her complaint to try to root out the villainy and they're going to do that they're they're literally still investigating which i don't even know what the fuck that means <laughs>
push as the bad point of view, but the method that he uses is masculinity itself. So he is basically attacking masculinity by associating it with all the things that are bad, which is why he invokes Trump. And if, if it wasn't Trump, let's say that this article was written, you know, in the 80s, it would have been Ronald Reagan instead. It would have been some other political figure that he wanted to take down. So it's not really important who he's using. It's about like trying to make a negative association between someone who he thinks is despisable and then saying this person represents masculinity. Therefore, masculinity is the problem unless it becomes a masculinity that serves my interests, in which case it's the good kind of masculinity. And so it's really a roundabout way. It's using masculinity and all of the ways that masculinity has already been sufficiently sort of demonized. I think that in many ways, most people seem to have they can't even talk about masculinity anymore because they're not really sure what it is. I think this is why we have uh, such a crisis of uh, masculine identity in men that are trying to find the answers because they have been told masculinity is this thing uh, by their their teachers, by the media, by everything around them. And of course, it happens to be associated with terrible things. And they're like, well, I don't want to be that. So I need to figure out what it is. And so they're a lot of men wandering around in the dark, raised by single mothers, so they don't even have anything to model it after. They're trying to figure out what it means to be a man. And of course, this guy, he has the answer. The, what it means to be a man is to be evil Nazi Trump guy, or you could find salvation by joining my cult. And then we'll we'll yeah, do good things. Yeah, it's been, it's basically what what is happening. But ultimately... Um, this isn't about any of that stuff. It's about male identity and how it's been taken from men. And now it's being offered back with caveats. Well, we'll give you back your manhood, but first you have to do what we say. Yep. Well, it's, a, they, they start with the premise that men don't care about women, that men actively oppress women, that men don't want to protect and provide for women. And especially those men who believe in ideology that I don't agree with. But if you want to be a good man who does those things, then you should be part of our ideology. And the funny thing is that this works. And the reason why it works is because it relies on the very thing that it says doesn't exist. Men's desire to protect and provide for women. Once again, their biological imperative to make sure the people who are responsible for the next generation existing get preferential provision and protection. So it's, it's a classic trick, and we're going to call it out wherever we see it and whenever we see it and help uh, young men avoid it because men are good. Men naturally want to protect and provide for their families, for women and children and the vulnerable, vulnerable in their communities, and that's that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Masculinity is good. I think there's a, there's a serious degree to which um, social justice types in general hate toughness in general, like toughness of all kinds, specifically because they are wimps. I, I will just say that. Everyone that I've run into seems to have some degree of wimpiness to them, even when they display some level of toughness in another area. Uh, at like, and, and for some reason, they don't seem to differentiate between aggression and toughness. 
So they, they have issues with maturity all around. And uh, I think that's partly why they try to impose that stereotype on men as well. Because if you look at their description of toxic masculinity, it is point for point a description of human immaturity. And, and they just stereotype men as being perpetually immature. So it, the whole thing is, is just a slur against men and a slur against toughness because they're wimps. <laughs> yeah, but they're not wimpy when it comes to social bullying. This is, is there a dangerous cult of toughness on the right? Uh, specifically looked at in terms of its messaging for men, not its partisanship by us. Manhood and Mastery, number one, with myself and Brian Martinez. Hello and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. My name is Allison Tiemann and I will be your host along with Brian Martinez. And this is Mastery and Manhood, Examining the Dangerous Cult of Toughness. So you may have noticed that we have yet another type of show. The idea behind what we're going to present here is basically that there are a lot of pundits, commentators, psychologists, ideologues that'll tell young men what it is to be a man, a good man, a real man, or what you have to do to be acceptable, or even disavow your manhood for the sake of womankind. But as you've probably noticed, that's not what we're here, what we're about here at Honey Badger Radio. We're of the opinion that men naturally and instinctively want to provide and protect other men in need, women, children, the elderly, and that no force is necessary to create this desire in men to sacrifice for others. It's the nature of the beast. It is innate. When men aren't doing these things, when young men are failing to achieve or launch or what have you, or whatever the new epithet for men failing society is, instead of blaming men, perhaps we should look at what's stopping them from engaging in their instinctual behavior. So, in that, in service to that, we uh, call out bad faith manipulations of young men's already existent desire to be strong for others. The latest iteration of this is, of course, of this bad faith browbeating is, of course, feminism, which says that men do not care about women because men oppressed women for tens of thousands of years. And yet, in the same breath, feminists appeal to the very thing feminism says doesn't exist. Men's care and concern and desire to protect and provide for women in order to get any of feminism's aims done. This is bad faith manipulation. It is gaslighting. It's manipulation that relies on the very thing it says doesn't exist to work. It's not just gaslighting, it's abusive, and it's also hobbling. These bad faith manipulations also created catch-22 for young men. At the same time as they are expected to achieve a far greater degree than their sisters and any failure to do so is blamed on them instead of a patriarchy that's keeping them down, as in the case of their sisters, they're also shamed when they do achieve. Their achievement is not from their own efforts, but because they were privileged. Young men's failures are blamed on them, and their successes are shamed as unearned. So what do we do? What we, want, what we do, and what we want to do, is to give young men the tools to resist bad faith manipulations, resist internalizing these catch-22s that bad faith manipulations create, and become discerning in when and where they choose to afford others the benefit of their natural strength as young men. We want to help young men master the messaging around manhood. 
Um, all right. So this is an article from The Atlantic. And it is an opinion piece. I guess that's what their ideas section is. And it's entitled, The New Right's Strange and Dangerous Cult of Toughness. Um, an emerging culture idolizes a twisted version of toughness as the highest ideal and despises a false version of weakness as the lowest vice by David French. Yes, and David French is a man uh, that is writing about this. This is a curious definition of manliness. Saying what you think or what others seem afraid to say isn't inherently manly. Speaking your mind isn't even inherently virtuous, much less inherently masculine. See where they're going with this? Trump has said yes. many false and harmful things, and the fact that other people might whisper them does not mean that they should be spouted or shouted from the presidential bully pulpit. All right. We need to wade into this one. <sighs> yeah. One, disagreeable people are overwhelmingly male. And what I mean by disagreeable are people who don't get along, go, go along to get along, who don't shut up in the face of, and incidentally, it is disagreeable people who are essentially the last line of defense against tyranny and authoritarianism. And they are, like I said, overwhelmingly male. This is a male trait. If you want mm -hmm. to look at it in terms of whether or not men or women have it. And what's really fascinating to me is that they will take the reverse agreeableness, uh, conflate it with compassion and say that that is a feminine virtue. So we can't look at disagreeableness, the willingness to make people upset with you or even so angry they want to kill you. The, the willingness to engage with other people in that way, the willingness to be disagreeable, we what can't even recognize it as a masculine virtue, as I'm sure David French would recognize the reverse as a feminine virtue. So mm. even though men are, he would probably be first in line to admit that men are more likely to be disagreeable than women, and also conflate that with men being less compassionate, he will not afford men the virtue of being different from women in the way that he says that they are, most likely says that they are different and being disagreeable. Women will toe the line in order to not make waves, in order to be polite, in order to create a sense of, of community or whatever else it is. And men don't do that as much. And that's statistically true. Men are more likely to be disagreeable. The real problem here is that we are affording a positive value to something, to a trait that men are more likely to be statistically. And that is verboten in David French's actual religion, which is the religion of deifying the feminine. And not just the feminine period, like the unconscious feminine. Okay. Yep. So, you know, and I could be wrong, like maybe he isn't a feminist, but it really does sound like that... Uh, he is of that particular ideological bent. But anyway, he's speaking for people of that ideological bent. And while they will recognize the virtue of being agreeable and say that women have that virtue, they will not recognize the reverse amongst men, even though they, they're basically saying that men are more likely to be disagreeable. They just won't recognize it as virtue. So essentially what he's saying... Saying what you think or what others seem afraid to say isn't inherently manly. Well, yes, it is. It's statistically manly. What I think he's probably meaning is that when it's considered a virtue, it shouldn't be considered associated with men. Yes. 
speaking your mind just isn't even yeah. inherently virtuous. What, what, what about what about all this feminist thing about women speaking truth to power? Well, yeah, he it, believes I, I, that. I don't it, even want. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't even want to get into the swamp of discussing what Trump said or did not say. Let's just keep it to what he's talking about with masculinity. Oh, absolutely. It's not yeah. important because 10 years ago, yeah. it, they, it would have been a different proxy. And 10 years from now, it will be a different proxy. So it's not about yeah. Trump. It's not about conservatives. It's not about any of these things. He's poisoning the well so that when he shits on masculinity, he's associated with everything that he could possibly grasp onto that can reflect the worst things about men in his mind where all of these mm -hmm. people live rent free that anyone who reads it will make the same association so it's got nothing to do with the people that he's discussing or any of that it's all it, it, it could just as easily be anyone and it would be the same mm -hmm. article word for word so well i mean you could make the argument that liberal values like true liberal values are masculine values Sure they are. Um, the the liberalization of religious thought was championed by men. Yes. Pushed forward by men. Many the men died for that. Yeah. Well, the enlightenment. Yeah, but even beyond that, the Reformation. Many men died so that we could have freedom of re of religion, freedom of conscience, to de develop the very concept of a secular state. Men died for that. Okay. So mm -hmm. the idea of liberalizing conservative or old systems of order is innately masculine the idea of and in fact ironically and maybe even paradoxically the maintenance of conservative systems of order are innately masculine you want to know why because men sacrifice for things larger than themselves they sacrifice for an order that they believe is just and benefits their communities and their families, and they sacrifice for a liberalism that they also think is just and benefits their communities and their families. I, considering that they both in, have the same innate uh, motivation, you'd think that we could somehow get it so these things could be less violent, but apparently not. Um, you know, I have other things to say about that, but masculinity transcends conservatism. And liberalism, it transcends left and right. It transcends, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little bit questioned about communism versus capitalism. I think communism is, well, Everything. let's not get into it. But, but, oh, yeah, well, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Like, I know what you're saying. This is a bigger conversation than these yes. earthly politics, basically. We're talking about the essence yes. of people, in particular men. And that is a far more important subject. But of course, I'm just saying this is the manipulation that's at play in this article. Yeah. All right, David French, why don't you give us what you think the highest masculine ideals are? Okay, what, what are the virtues that men embody that women don't or don't as much embody? Mm -hmm. let's, let's go there. Let's, 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 because if he's going to say that this is not that, this is not that, then he should have a that to say this is not, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, there's, yeah. I don't think he has a that. I don't think he puts much thought at all into what masculine ideals are, what masculine virtues are. Um, and I imagine if he does, the highest masculine ideal isn't something that he's going to say that men have innately. It's probably something that he's going to say that feminine, like by becoming feminist, or becoming part of his political landscape will make men 
the, the embody the highest masculine ideal. And this is how they sucker young men into everything and even into killing themselves for their bullshit. They say, if you are part of this political landscape, you are part of the highest masculine ideal. That you are, you have a differentiated yourself as a man. If you are a liberal, if you are a conservative, if you're a Trumper, if you're a never Trumper, whatever, you are the highest ideal of masculinity. You have become something of worth to society as a man. This is this kind of rhetoric is so manipulative. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is, is he's doing the same damn thing. Yeah, he just wants. Like he says. He, he, he says he, okay. he's he's using he's using masculinity as an identity to leverage as a carrot. Yeah, as a way of pull, pulling men to his side so that they can do what? Do what they were doing on the other side. Serve and sacrifice for an ideal. To, you know, mm-hmm. in service to an ideal. So uh it it's not any different. He's just using shaming and manipulation to accomplish it. Why? Probably because if you just looked at the ideas on their own, maybe, you know, not as many men would be interested. When you get rid of young men's uh, masculine identity, and this is not true of all young men, although in some ways it eventually becomes true because men will get engaged in what they think is altruistic punishment. And I say what they think because... You know, Antifa thinks that they're take, they're taking down an unjust system. The Black Lives Matter, they probably also think the same thing. Mm-hmm. So the violence that they're doing is justified as and this is where this is where, you know, it gets like really, really hairy. Because you can justify violence as pro social if it is punishing elements that you think are a threat to your community or are criminal. So yeah. you can get young men to engage in unbelievably massive a massive scale of violence as long as you frame it as being pro-social um and that's how you get wars you know and um but the the thing is that the more they remove a masculine identity like the recognition that men have something of value that doesn't mean that men necessarily have the same amount of honing that value but you know that men innately have something of value as men you know, and part of that is the big part of that is that that hormonal system that allows them to be less risk adverse. You know, the less you acknowledge that, the more violent and confrontational, the more conflicts that you can create. So the more the the I don't know if I want to call them the lefts. The more the more they're really all feminists because they all basically mm-hmm. just say that basically feminism is just the, the idea that women are morally supreme and that the male identity is fallen. Yeah. Uh, it's sort and of like the, the, the secular, the, the feminine view is the only one you should listen to. Yeah. The feminine perspective. So, as they, they get further and further into the rabbit hole, they develop the, the potential for greater and greater violence because they're stripping away uh, men's an, an, a positive social identity for men, and when you do that, you give them nothing to lose. And people who have nothing to lose act like it, and they act often act like it in the service of these ideologies that they're sort of replacing their masculine identity with. And um, so, yeah, expect more violence and crazy shit. And mm-hmm. what a surprise that the violence comes out of a community that really has been subject to the worst forms of marginalizing the masculine and stripping ma- masculinity from that community 
in the in the form of removing fathers oh, yeah. from their families. Absolutely. Uh. The right-wing cult of toughness in its distinctly Trumpist version is no exception to this trend. When it is drained of limiting principles and tied to a man who would rather seek to un upend our nation's constitutional order than relinquish power, which not happens, what? I don't know what you're talking about, then the threat to the republic is plain. That threat will remain until the supposedly weak classical liberals on the left and right uh, do what they've always done at their best, rally in defense of liberty, the rule of law, and the American order itself. Um, he, Yeah, so you didn't really address anything. Well, you just poisoned the well for like an hour. <laughs> yeah and you can't i mean you basically I, make it impossible for us to talk well the goal is to make it impossible for us to talk about um what the, the virtues of being disagreeable are instead you link it to violence you link it to tyranny you link it to all this other shit that you're that, that lives in your head right 24 7 and you basically say that's masculinity and that has to go. I think that disagreeableness and being vocal about it is actually better for your relationships than simply being avoidant or going along to get along. Because if you go along just to get along, but you actually don't agree, then this never gets addressed. And that relationship starts to erode it gets eaten out by the inside because there's all of this stuff that one person wants to say but won't because they want to preserve a kind of status quo relationship. And so they don't ever bring it up. And instead, they just grow resentful over time. Um, meanwhile, on the other side, someone just puts out, out there, you know what, I, I don't think it's as simple as that. Or I disagree with this. Or here's what I think about this, right? Because when you know where someone stands, I think that you can actually build a better relationship with them, even if you don't agree. Um, and I, I think that disagreeableness is all too often treated as something that is violence, essentially. Like, this is how it's framed. If you disagree, it means you're violent. And so why? Well, because I don't want to confront what you have to say. I just want you to stay quiet and agree with me. And so I, I think that um, there's a reason why I think she got along better with her stepdad than her stepmom, which um, I, I and, and her stepmom is still she's extremely passive aggressive. She doesn't she's, you know, strongly against confrontation, but not against things like um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, like excluding you or avoiding you or ghosting you. You know, because she doesn't want to deal with what you think. And it's like, it's really, I, I think that we, in my opinion, I think that, that being disagreeable is a good quality, even in, you know, your immediate relationships. If the person you're talking to is willing to hear you out and, you know, you're going to have an actual dialogue. I think everyone will be better off with that. Otherwise, you're not, if you're not talking about these things in a serious and honest way, then you're not really having a conversation. You may as well just be talking about the thing you ate or the movie you watched or, or something else. And we're back. And uh, I actually think I was also responsible for this. And I think it's obvious why we did this. 
Uh, the, the article was, uh, what are the seven signs of internalized misogyny? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and, you know, how to teach women to be afraid of their own thoughts or suspicious and paranoid of their own thoughts. And uh, how, how to treat women like children who need to be protected from thinking things and seeing things. Well, yeah, I can't have reading that. things. No, no, no. There should be like a uh, ma male guidance uh, required uh, code for media. You know, we have parental guidance. There should be masculine guidance because obviously if women get triggered by things, they can't be subjected to them in order to realize that they're not acceptable for women. So it's got to be men who make those decisions for women. Ultimately, that's the feminist position. Uh, you know, men need to take women's autonomy away in order to protect them. And if you think I'm joking or being exaggerating, you should see the messaging around um, that recent young woman who was who was murdered. Uh, what was her name? Petticoat? Petico? Uh, Petito. And, uh, Gabby Petito. Petico. Petito. In response to the fact that a cop allowed her to make her own decisions about her life, feminists decried him not not acting to remove her autonomy in order to preserve her safety. So, you know, that we're, we're going there. We're going to go there. So eventually there will be men who look at media and determine whether or not it's safe for fem feminine consumption. We're just walking right back into, into uh, coverture, guardianship, and, you know, the, the delicate women folk can't possibly be exposed to, to uh, I, I don't know, uh, wooden phalluses from Africa or whatever. In the, in the museums. All right. So this is what are the seven signs of internalized misogyny and how to avoid them? Well, the, the way that you avoid them is to ask a feminist how to think, preferably a male feminist, because, you know, a female feminist is going to be completely molded by the patriarchy and everything that's going to come out of her mouth is probably crypto patriarchal. Maintaining frame with myself and Brian Martinez. Hello, okay. everybody, and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. My name is Brian. I'm here with Allison, and this is Maintaining Frame, because mm -hmm. Hannah is not available. For the, for the HBR talk. She yeah, has, for, the, uh, for the normal show. So She's quite a bit of work and family commitments over the holidays. Yeah. So we figured we'd give her a break and uh, fill in for today. Seven Not-So-Obvious Signs of Internalized Misogyny by Dr. Kate Balistri Uh Okay, she's a doctor. Probably a, a psychologist. Doctor. Well, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Kate Balistrieri. Mm. Just bear that in mind, I guess, as we go Can I even these. say something just to the title? I mean, how yeah. what, what a paternist, or shall I say, since it's a Kate maternalistic approach to uh talking to women like the, the the premise of this entire entire article is that a woman outside of the gender gender hegemony uninformed by the gender hegemony unenlightened by the gender hegemony uh just doesn't know her own mind like i mean yeah. think about the the relationship that these people are setting up with women between women and themselves 
Like, you have to sit there and be like, oh, wait, 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 is this thought a real thought? Or is it, is it my thought? Or is it, a, is, it, is it been projected into my brain by the patriarchy? You know, you yeah. see what I'm saying? It's like, it's like yeah. am I being mind controlled by the patriarchy? And, and you know what's really hilarious is they, they get on people's case about, you know, the current situation. And there have been people who've been predicting every step of the 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 progress into uh into corporate fascism that we're seeing you know there's been mm -hmm. people saying okay well they're not going to be satisfied with this reduction in freedom they're going to go for the next one and everybody's been calling them conspiracy theorists although they are complete they've been completely right at every stage and yet this idea that women are somehow being mentally influenced by the uh, what would we call it it's not 5g it's like patriarchal mind rays yeah pg you know <laughs> uh, the patriarchal beaming from the patriarchal satellite every woman has to spend her life wondering if her thoughts are her own i mean what kind of paranoia and insecurity i mean right off the freaking back what kind of paranoia and insecurity does this generate in women I mean, if you're if you are somebody, if you're a woman listening to this crap, and you actually believe this, why do you want to live that way? I mean, really. But well, you know, let's let's go. I mean, yeah, yeah. Go I, ahead. I, I, okay, we'll we'll uh, we'll keep going. But I, I would say that um, a part of me believes that there are a lot of women that want to believe this, and um, <laughs> I don't. I I think that because they do kind of benefit. So they're mm. just like, why wouldn't I? Um, yeah, but how could any benefit possibly be worth the loss of a sense of self? I mean, once you start seeing yourself in terms of, of your actions in the greater world, when you recognize that your actions matter, how can you turn around and say, oh, I'm being influenced by some kind of thought raised from men? No, it's like no. I I understand that. I think that, that one of I believe that one of the reasons why is because if you actually have to um, accept or confront the idea that you you do take actions and then those actions impact the greater world, then that means you may actually have to like face up to harm that you have done leading up to this moment. So if you've like you know thrown a baby in a dumpster that you had because you didn't feel like raising them or if you falsely accused the guy and got him fired or, or worse, or if you, um, you know, used your victimhood to harm other people or whatever it was. If you then actually have to face the fact that you chose to do that and that you can do that and that you have harmed other people, uh, you have harmed children or you've harmed men or women or whatever, that is too painful for people to face. One thing I have noticed about people in general, not just women, today is that they are absolutely horrified at the prospect of facing um, the, the idea that they were wrong and that they're in their, um, in their uh, desire to protect themselves from facing that they were wrong, facing the potential you know, uh, humiliation they lash out, they get violent, they rant and rave, they weep, they run away, they hide, they do everything except say, I was wrong. Yeah. All right, so internalized misogyny is more prevalent in our society than you might think at first glance. 
Research shows that many women regularly struggle with the negative psychological and physical impacts. But how do you recognize when internalized misogyny is affecting your life? Read on for some signs of internalized misogyny that you may have missed. Fuck off. <laughs> Just go fuck off, Kate. You don't know my mind. Hmm? You freaking maternalistic bullshit. Like, I, I, even, the, even the tone of this. Uh, your thoughts may not be your own. Yeah. Read on to find out. <laughs> Number one. I'm not I'm like the other girls, says the voice of internalized misogyny. So basically, number one is a girl who says she's not like the other girls. Um, because apparently, according to the author of this, all women are the same. They're all identical. And that's mm -hmm. not that's not sexist. Um, OK, I'm not like the other girls, says the voice of internalized misogyny. Differentiating yourself from other women as though they're a monolith is a major warning sign when it comes to internalized what? misogyny. Okay. All right, wait a second. I'm not <laughs> like the other girls is treating women like a mon monolith? Well, saying that a woman can't say I'm not like the other girls is genuinely treating women like a monolith. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, okay, can, can you say something like, I'm not like the other girls, I'm in the 99th percentile for intelligence? I'm not like the other girls, I can uh, run a mile in, you know, four minutes? I'm not like the other girls, I can hurdle at an Olympic level? I'm not like the other girls, I can swim the English Channel? I'm not like the other girls, I'm a, a, you know, a, a Nobel Prize winning physicist? Can you say these things? I'm not like the other girls. I have an unusual level of sympathy for men, despite being sort of a strident bitch. Okay? Like, you can't say these things. You can't differentiate from the mass. And then she turns... You know what, Brian? You're absolutely yeah. right. Number one is the author admitting that she treats all women like a monolith and projecting it onto other women. Some signs say that you may be falling into the guy's girl trap could include pretending to be chill or calm about men doing things you find inappropriate or talking about women in a negative or off-putting way. So basically trying to be a chill girl means you, you are going to be around men who make you uncomfortable, uh, which is retarded because uh, women know what their, they should know what their boundaries are. And they should act on them. If they're unreasonable, well, then they're unreasonable. And men should probably avoid them. But um, you're allowed this to This is ironic. Them. This is ironic coming from feminists in the endless march of feminist men who seem to be engaging in all kinds of either sexual <laughs> abuse or sex pestery. You know, yeah. like, somehow... And if the irony is that there's a difference between forbearance and sympathy and trying to extend yourself to a different way of, of being in the world and not having any boundaries. And the difference between being able to tolerate and trying to control, you know, uh, mm -hmm. there's a difference between having boundaries and trying to control environments. And it, I think part of the problem is that people don't recognize that female thuggery and bullying and the fact that and there's a recent example of this okay so a girl gamer went into i think a call of duty server 
and a bunch of uh, gamers, male gamers, insulted her based on the fact that she's a girl because that's what gamers do. They try to get a rise out of you based on whatever factor they think will get a rise out of you. Um, mm -hmm. If they were, if she was a man, it would be limp dick, cuck, stimp, whatever else, right? So, but the thing is, when you look at her, she's she's actually got that duping delight as they're engaging in this behavior because she knows she can turn around and socially execute them as a result of them just trying to treat her like a fellow gamer. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that that is female thuggery. And we're not allowed to call it out and say, actually, women get a great deal of joy out of these kinds of social executions, not just of men, but also their uh, rivals as women. Like uh, the mm -hmm. greatest amount of bullying on the internet is woman to woman. And that 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 aspect of wanting to control and engage in violence social violence against people is different than and, and establishing your ability to do so is different than establishing boundaries okay when you establish mm -hmm. boundaries you say stop doing this uh, i'm not going to exclude you from the space i just don't want to deal with what you're doing okay um they think that the only way to establish boundaries for a woman is to be able to engage in these social executions. And they only allow the idea that uh, a woman in a space where she's allowed to socially execute people, that's the only place in which a woman can set boundaries. Number two, feeling bad about your physical appearance or grooming. Disparaging different parts of your physical appearance can be a major issue when it comes to internalized misogyny. Feeling bad about your body hair, despite knowing that it is a natural part of being an adult, is something that's instilled in people by the mass media, not something that's inherent. So if you find yourself yeah. feeling ashamed about your body hair, that's likely a sign of internalized misogyny. What, what do let's say? do some reverse ruse here. If you have any problems with your physical appearance as a man, that's internalized misandry. Or your grooming, that's internalized misandry. If you smell like a wet buffalo, it's her problem, not yours. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Are you freaking kidding? I, I, and what is, the, what is one of the major insults towards incels? They don't take care of themselves. Yeah, right. Oh, oh, God. They, should go, they should go lift or something. They, also, they should lift and take a shower. Yeah, Isn't that lift it? And lift and take a shower. Yep, that's what they say. Uh, but, but let's see. The and that, is, that, is, is that misandry? You know, because if I guess if I sat Kate down and said, hey, you know that uh, that incels constantly get told to lift and take a shower. Do you consider that internalized misandry? I doubt yeah. she'd agree. No, probably not. And again, this comes back to I don't like that people have standards. I mean, that's really yep. what this comes down to. I mean, if you look, if if you're a woman and you have a mustache and you don't want to shave it, don't. It's your business. It's your body. Do whatever the hell you want. But that's not really the problem. The problem is when people want to grow a fucking, you know, John Holmes mustache and they and they're women and they expect that men should still, you know, desire them because they don't want to change for men. But they expect men to not have standards. And so if a man doesn't have standards, then I guess he's a good feminist man. Uh, only if he's the right kind of man, because an incel is also not allowed to have standards. Comparing yourself to other women. That sounds like number one. 
Comparing yourself to other people in your life is in some ways natural. But if you find yourself doing it constantly in a way that makes you feel inferior, it can quickly become a problem. Or if you feel like you're putting down other women to make yourself feel better, <laughs> literally most interactions between women, that can also be a symptom of internalized misogyny. Patriarchal ideals tell women they are not enough and need to compete for a man's attention to be considered Are worthy. you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Men have nothing to do with this shit, lady. Grow up. Take yeah. responsibility. This is the if, if men have anything to do with this shit, they have to it is in terms of being a resource for women and a mindless resource for women. That's it for women's competition with each other. And mm -hmm. also, I note that she's basically like saying, well, reject these other external standards and accept mine, ladies, so that yeah, I exactly. may be the queen, the queen mother of all womandom. <laughs> like, what? Fuck off, Kate. Isn't she, like, comparing herself to other women in this very... Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, again, we're right back at what you said. She doesn't mm -hmm. want to be wrong. She doesn't want to admit to what she is actually doing herself. I so feel she's like projecting is, it onto yeah. patriarchy. Yep. This is a list of things that she uh, does that thinks it's the reason for her pain and suffering. And she cannot find a practical, common sense, wise solution. Like comparing yourself to other women, probably not the end of the world. It's, it's normal. Most women do it. Um, this is why women bully each other online. It's a lot of time because they are competing in their own way, which is usually in the social sphere. And um, yeah, they some women can be really, really cunty about that and just want to destroy other women socially. And some women are more avoidant or agreeable and they will simply shrink themselves or run away. But when it comes down to it, this is something that happens between women most of the time. However, a woman's success has no bearing on a man's self-esteem. That is his business. Yeah, but it doesn't affect most men. You're literally making shit up. You're the reason if there are women who are afraid to physically outperform a man, it's because of people like you. It's not because of men. Like, well, here's well, here, here's the other thing. It's not it's also how much of this insecurity in the man is because he knows that if he doesn't outperform the woman, she's going to cease to be interested in him. Yeah. So it's a sec it's like it's like okay. All right. It's when a woman outperforms a man in her relationship, I don't think athletically that's ridiculous, but let's say in other spheres. It's essentially like the man like the woman just went through breast cancer and lost her tits. Okay? Yeah. Let's let's be honest. That's the that is the effect on his sexual desirability to her. Now, if she's a good woman, she's not going to kick him to the curb. But he knows that the likelihood that he is going to be kicked to the curb has increased exponentially. And mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck, Kate. It is time to talk about this problem. True. Okay? Women want men who achieve more than they do. More money, more acclaim, more academic uh, credentials, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's what they or want. Or and more, men and, and know more it. capacity for violence. And men know it, at least physical violence. And men know it. Yeah. They know yeah. it. So that when their partner achieves more than they do, 
It is the same as if you, Kate, had breast cancer and lost both breasts in terms of your sense of sexual desirability. Now have some compassion. for. I know that's impossible. This individual who's supposedly going to create intimacy. You know, intimacy comes from compassion and understanding and uh, trust. But Kate can't extend herself to understand why men might be a little bit anxious in such a situation. Okay? You can mm-hmm. understand why a woman would be. Is my partner going to still love me without tits? Yeah. You can understand. You can understand. I'm sure Kate can understand that. What she can't understand is that men who don't achieve as much as their partners are in the same situation. Number six, slut shaming is a core indicator of internalized misogyny. Shaming women for their sexual preferences or history is one of the biggest ways internalized misogyny manifests in our society, i.e. not having standards is what you want. No one's sexual choices are anyone else's business. Actually, I think they are, my opinion, no matter how many people they have slept with. And as long as everyone involved is a consenting adult, it's no one's business who they are sleeping with either. So take steps to ensure that you're recognizing misogyny in your life when it comes to sex. Can I just get in here before we do the usual rant about uh, slut? And in fact, I would actually like to forego the usual rant. All right. What's the usual rant? Well, about, you know, how slut shaming is legitimate or whatever else. It's an external standard. I like to go somewhere else with this, Kate. Because you are shaming women. You're shaming women not for their sexual desire for men or, or wanting to be sexually desirable to men. Presumably a slut wants to be sexually desirable to men unless she really should be called a rapist. So, but you are shaming women for wanting to be socially desirable to men. What's the fuck is the difference? Mm. Pick me's uh, chill girls. Yeah, those, those are the real sluts, right? They want to be socially desirable to men. It's okay to be want to be sexually desirable to men, but God forbid you want to be socially desirable to men because that might create intimacy with a man. And Kate can't stand that. No. Jesus, like, why do women listen to women like this? Like, this is passive, like, this is, this is occult destruction. Like, I'm pretty sure that Kate actually, on some level that she won't recognize, wants to destroy women's happiness with men. Yep. And She wants to do the, it because the, she's unhappy. Because she's, she's essentially saying, well, no, we, we can't shame women for wanting to be sexually desirable to men, but we can shame them for wanting to be socially desirable. Well, if you want relationship with a man don't you think you should want to be socially desirable to men and and i'm not going to go like men and women have different uh different sets of of general personality traits there's overlap but there's there tends to be some distinct differences okay they have men have a different way of looking at the world and i don't see why that's a problem to acknowledge we have two stationed species on or stationed um groups on this planet they have slightly different ways of looking at the world. At the end of the day, usually they're happiest together building a family. That's fine. I don't see why this is so horrible. People tend to be happier, happiest when they accept and respect their femininity or their masculinity and also accept and respect that there are differences and accept and respect those differences. Now, it's a wonderful thing, diversity, true diversity, starting with men and women. Number seven. Judging other women. Who saw that coming? Remember when I said earlier in the show, this is about avoiding judgment? 
This is the this is the entire list in one point. Don't judge me. Not don't judge yeah, women because so I'm going to judge women. But you yeah, are not allowed to judge women. me. She is judging women exactly, but she doesn't want to be judged. This is all um, rhetoric that she's spinning. Like a magic spell. Like she's going to say these words and it's going to alter reality and everyone's going to find that, you know, she can't be judged and she is above all these things. But it's it's all just rhetoric. It's just bullshit rhetoric that basically boils down to don't judge me because I might have to look at myself in the mirror and determine that I have been weighed, I have been measured, and I have been found wanting. And I don't... I cannot do that. It would dry... It would make my... Like my head explode because of all of the pain and cognitive dissonance that that would result and in. And she seeks even to help though, others. Yeah. And even supposedly. though it would also result after all of that pain has subsided, probably in a lot of self-reflection and then self-improvement and then maybe even happiness. But I will do anything in my power to avoid having to face this reality about myself. So I'm going to blame the entire world. And then I'm going to tell mm -hmm. everyone else that my problems are actually everyone's problems if they're women. Okay. Yes. If you want something, if you want men, then you're going to have to appeal to them. You're going to have to like them. You're going to have to want to understand them and express compassion towards them and appreciate masculinity. Not only is that for his sake, it's also for yours. Because if you don't, you're not going to have fun. You're going to be miserable and unhappy, okay? So it's just simple self-preservation. And also, we're going to judge you based on whether or not you take responsibility for your behavior that's disruptive. Not disruptive, sorry, that's, a, that's an ambiguous term. Uh, abusive, mm -hmm. that is lying, dishonest, dishonorable, and cowardly. We're going to call you to task for those things, okay? That's where we come from. That's that's that is the, that is our listicle for women. If you want yep. to date men like them, uh, take responsibility for yourself. Stop believing stupid shit like uh, patriarchy's in my brain making me do things I hate because yeah. that's insane. It is. It is. You have been judged, and the court finds you will now be heard. Guilty. <laughs> Guilty. 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 To the Phantom Zone with her. <laughs> Welcome to the subterranean lair under the subterranean lair. Everywhere we go, men are being shamed. They're being shamed for being men, for being masculine, for their interests, for their lack of interest, for how they express their emotions, or don't express their emotions at all. You want to just suck it up and tough it out. But that's shame too. Being stoic is the reason why women are hurt, don't you know? Or at least that's what they say. Imagine a community where men don't need women's permission to be men, where women have men's back, because as strong as you are, Sometimes you need someone to notice you and take a moment to show that they care. Imagine the Honey Badger Radio community, men and women coming together to be their best selves and support each other overcoming all the messages that men and masculinity are bad 
and to blame for the world's ills. If you're interested in joining that community and taking your place by our side, helping us build a more compassionate, a more just, and just plain funny world, then go to feedthebadger.com. Support our community. Take part. Help us build something great together. The world needs masculinity. It needs men. It needs you. We recognize that. Support that recognition. Feedthebadger.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.